today on Commitment to Truth. If you could summarize how do you work out your faith? Faith without works is dead. Just start living for Jesus and stop sinning. You know, a lot of times people get really overtly complicated with that verse. It just simply says, live like you should live. If you believe in him, live like you believe. Be different. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, we'll be starting a sermon series called Heroes. We'll learn from the biblical heroes of the past found in Hebrews 11 and by faith to encourage you to become today's heroes of the faith. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. Hebrews chapter 11, we've been there, right? Uh, in verse 37 says this, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. When you read that, uh, what comes to mind today is that they were absolutely different people. They were beyond and above the norm, right? There were men and women who weren't caught up in the hoobla of the day or in, uh, influenced or instigated by their culture, their family, their friends. They were willing ultimately to be tormented, walk around in sheepskins, right? To ultimately die by being sawn in two. These are really, really different people. Uh, so my challenge to you today is this, is that in preparation to this series, or this part of the series, I asked myself a question, and it is this, what really makes a person a hero? Uh, here's my answer to self. <laughs> There's this willingness to be different than everybody else. There's this willingness to be different than everybody else. Some of you have heard this phrase that we've coined here at Commitment is that others may, but I may not. I have to be willing to be different, to go against the grain, even if it causes opposition, even in my own home, even with those who I love dearly. Because one thing I've realized is that even if you dare to be different, Jesus always wins. He's undefeated. If we join his team, if you would. So if we're willing to be different, then the, the reality is this, is that we're then willing to be heroes today. We don't have to always be looking back of, you know, towards the heroes of the faith, but we should be looking among us and say, wow, I see how that man is loving his wife as Christ loved the church. I see how those parents are raising their children in fear and admonition of the Lord, contrary to what everybody else says. I see how that businessman and woman are, are doing business well for the honor and the glory of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the good of their customers. And, you know, you follow me? For the good of the reputation of Jesus. I see how they're doing it differently than everybody else. Even so different that it's contrary to what my boss says I should do. Our next hero, Rahab, chose to be unlike her entire community. 
And because of this, she ignited one of the greatest battles ever. And because of her lack of concern for self, guess what happened? Israel was victorious. So pause there for a minute. That if you choose to be different, there could be the distinct possibility in your life that there's battles that are raging around you that you've probably never experienced before. That you can emerge victorious in whatever God has called you to participate in today, but your challenge would be, am I willing to be different? That may be the very gasoline that ignites the fire. You follow me? The very flint that allows the fire to be set aflame, not only in your life and in your children's life, but in your children's children's life, even children yet unborn. And that's what Rahab did. So if you look with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verses uh, 30 and 31, Hebrews 11, verse 30 and 31, it says this, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after the Israelites had marched around them for seven days. Why? It's because by faith, the prostitute, the prostitute, the prostitute, Rahab, did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. Now, keep in mind, it says the others that were disobedient. So you know what that says? There could have been other Rahabs who were also spared. But they chose to be what? So in these uh, uh, sermon series we've been giving you on the heroes of the faith, uh, we've been covering or answering three questions. One, and we'll do it today, who is Rahab? Who is Rahab? Number two, what makes her so much like you and me? And then thirdly, how can you and I start living like heroes? Amen? So who is this Rahab? She was a harlot. She was a prostitute. It says it here. She sold her body for money or for advanced personal advancement. She was a prostitute. But here's the interesting thing about this. Remember, we've been connecting all of these heroes with whom? Christ. Listen to this. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez fathered Hezron and Hezron fathered Ram and Ram fathered Abinadad and Abinadad fathered Nashon and Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz who came through whom? So in the lineage of your Lord, my Lord, Jesus Christ, there is a prostitute who chose to be different. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth, and Obed fathered Jesse, Jesse fathered, guess who else? 
David the king. So can I just interject this before we even go on? Stop being embarrassed about your past. Stop being embarrassed about what you did in the past that was wrong, that wasn't like God, that was failures, that was dishonest, that was degrading, that was etc. I don't know how far you can get and go outside of selling your body for personal gain. Get over it. Just as simple as that, church. Get over it. Because if you don't, you're affecting generations. If you don't get over mama hurts and daddy hurts and family issues, you affect your family in the future. Get over it. Get over it. Move on. If any man is in Christ, you're a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Get over it. And move on. Get over it and move on. Now, that's not the message, but get over it and move on. Just saying. But here's three realities, church, that makes Rahab so much like us. They're found in Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Now, I'm not going to read all of Joshua uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. So I need you to go back and read the entire book of Joshua, and you'll be encouraged by all of the stories found there. But here's three things that I've uncovered that makes us so much like Rahab. Here's the first, found in verses 9, 10, and 11, and 12. She had faith but was unfaithful. Until those spies showed up, she had faith, but she was unfaithful. How do I know? I know the Lord, verse 9, for the Lord is your God. She goes on to say, when the spy shows up, okay, yeah, I heard, we heard, I heard, we heard. We're trembling because of what your God has done for you. So apparently there was a period of time that she was believing, but she didn't act like it. How do I know? Because she has faith, second point, and she was stuck right where she was. Sound familiar? Oh, I believe Jesus. I believe God. I believe. I believe. I know when I die, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to heaven. But you're stuck. Spinning your wheels. Stuck. Not willing to make decisions. Stuck. Not willing to step out and say, this is what God is telling me to do. That's different than my whole family. Stuck. Listen, that's contrary to my wife. That's contrary to my husband. That will set me in opposition with my children. That will set me in opposition of my parents. Stuck. That will cause me to lose my job. Stuck. 
She was an active prostitute. That's why nobody was curious why these two guys walked into her place. She had faith but was not faithful. She had faith but she was stuck. And she was stuck. But believe it or not, she really wanted a way out. Sounds familiar. I'm just here. I'm just here. I'm just, oh, oh, God, I'm just stuck in this quandary. I'm just, oh, but what's the way out? Since I've dealt kindly with you, she says in verse 12 to the spies, that you also will do kindly with me or with my father's household. So, hey, if I do this, can you help me here? So she, meaning Rahab, was, wasn't really faithful up until this time. She also was stuck in her circumstances. And yes, she was desperate for a way out. Nevertheless, believe it or not, she's still considered a hero. And before we go on to answer our final question of how you and I can start living like a hero, I want to read a particular verse that can help you maybe navigate where you're stuck. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. There's no temptation has overtaken you except something that's common to man. So whatever you're in right now, somebody's been in it or is in it too. You have daddy issues, guess what? You're not alone, so quit making it so personal. You have marriage issues, try, quit trying to make it so personal. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Oh, my husband's not. My wife's not. My husband's not. You're the only one with kid problems? Come on now. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? We make it so personal. I can't believe my son didn't call me. <gasps> You're not the only one that sons aren't calling you when they go off to college. <laughs> and they get married, fall in love with another woman. Mama, Right? And then they don't call you back. And we make it so personal. We can't believe it. The boss is picking on me. Oh, they're just giving me. Or you're the only one on the face of the planet that someone's boss is picking on you. Right? I'm being, I'm, making, I'm, I'm being facetious, but serious here. It's like, huh? Come on now. Why do we make it so much about me? My humble opinion is that's why we stay stuck. Because we're looking so much as me, to me, to me. Why me? Why me? Why not Jesus? What happened to Jesus? Wasn't it worse than what you and I have to go through? And that's why if you look at this, and remember the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 is uh, Paul is challenging the church, and he's taking them back in time. He says, hey, you remember when the children of Israel weren't roaming the wilderness for 40 years? Let he who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. In other words, unless you start acting like them. And then he goes on to affirm them and say, no temptation in any part of the wilderness 
has overtaken, to you, overtaken you except what has been common to those folks who were in the wilderness as well. You don't think there was marital problems? They were. You know why? Do you remember what Jethro had to tell Moses? Listen, if you keep counseling these folks with all these issues, you'll wear yourself out. You don't think there was a, a big problem going on in the wilderness? You don't think, you know, there was marriage problems and kids running off into to another, you know, another family's banner. You know, it's like, well, you're supposed to be with Judah. You're over there with somebody else. All that stuff was happening. They were bringing it to Moses. There were issues, issue after issue after issue until his father-in-law says, you know what? If you don't start delegating this stuff, you're going to wear yourself out, Moses. So Paul is affirming the church and saying, everything that you're going through, don't start wigging out. Because everything that you have been through, somebody has gone through it. And probably worse than you. So, God is faithful. So he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. So church, if you're stuck, what this promise is, is that one, it's not uncommon. Two, he's provided you already a way for escape, but you just won't see it. Why do I keep having these financial issues? Why do I keep? Why do? Why? Why? There's a rule for escape that you have chosen not to take. And one of them is giving back to God. You choose not to? Well, you're going to stay stuck. I don't care how much you try to save. Haggai chapter 1 says you put money in your purses with holes in it, period. You're going to stay stuck. Stay stuck. Second, second part of that is there's a responsibility to what? To save. If you're not saving, you keep spending, you're going to be stuck. Stewardship. These are all biblical principles. Room for escape. You remain stuck in your marriage if you choose not to submit to love your wife during those times she's unlovable. At least in your mind. To respect when your husband doesn't deserve your respect. To honor parents when they're having a bad day, week, year, because you're starting to grow up. You stay stuck. He's provided this room for escape. So how can you and I start living then like heroes in the midst of being stuck Midst of being going from that place of faithless, I got faith, but I'm not faithful. If you look at Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, please. It says, Now before the spies lay down, she came up, this is Rahab, to them on the roof. And said to them, I know that the Lord 
has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have despaired because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out to Egypt and so on and so forth. Here's the first step of getting unstuck and being, becoming different is that contrary to everyone around her, contrary to everyone around you, heroes still know the Lord. Now, what does this mean? The word know means this, to learn to know, to experience, to confess, and to know relationally. So the question that you must ask yourself is, am I learning to know? Am I willing to learn to know the Lord? Am I willing to experience the Lord in all of his fullness? Am I willing to confess the Lord? Am I willing to know him relationally? And most of the time, if someone is choosing not to be different than everyone else around them, they're struggling with knowing the Lord, experiencing him, confessing him. You confess me for man. What? I deny you in front of man. I'll deny you, right? And, and, and I, then I struggle also knowing him relationally. There's not this intimacy that says you now have the courage to be willing to stand opposed to everyone else around you. For us to start living like heroes, we must be men and women who are willing to first learn to know him. And, and, and honestly, that's a lifelong journey. Learning to know him is learning to know him until you see him face to face. There has to be this willingness to experience in him in his fullness. Not just part of him, but all of him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All of him. All of him. He can't just be daddy. Can't just be Jesus. Can't just be Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All of of him must have free access and that's why it leads to this confession that there has to be this public confession that you know what I belong to him he belongs to me right remember we talked about baptism a lot one again one of the first steps of obedience is am I willing to be publicly affirmed with knowing him am I willing to confess publicly that he belongs to me I belong to him if you're not willing to do that what makes you and I think that we're going to do it when we're really opposed by people in the world. So it's really the grace of God that he just allows us to just intimately progress. He just doesn't dump it all on us. Get baptized around people who believe like me. 
just a simple gesture of saying, I confess that I know you and you know me. No relationally. Psalm 9, verse 9 through 10 says this. The Lord will also be a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not abandoned those who seek you. See, heroes are different people. We're different because we have truly experienced the Lord. When you truly experience the fullness of the Lord, you're going to be different. Noticeably different. Heroes know the Lord. You see also in Joshua 2.11, when we heard these reports, again, this is uh, Rahab saying this, communicating to the spies. Our hearts melted and no courage remained in anyone any longer because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God, capital G, in heaven above and on earth below. Now keep in mind, remember, uh, Rahab was, had faith apparently, but she was faith less or wasn't faithful because she was just caught up in the hype of the community, right? And she probably was in need of money. Maybe it, some theologians say that she could have been at a period of time that she was providing for her family. That's why she said, hey, if you, if you give a pass on me, can you also take care of my family? So apparently she still has some relational contact with her family. So think about this. She could have easily been just slow, sold off into being a prostitute. But she still thought about her family. So there's a two sides of, of why she was a prostitute. But no matter what, she said, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth below. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life that maybe you have faith in God, faith in God, then you had an encounter with someone who knew God? who like knew them experientially, who confessed them boldly, who were acting differently. You, you see how this is connected? I know God, I know of him, I know of him, or oh, I believe in him from a distance, but now you brought him real close and tangible to me. The very people that I heard about, I now see. Now that I see I'm going to take the Lord's side. God would always give us that opportunity that if you are stuck in a situation, you know what God would do? Let's say you're stuck in your marriage some way. God would always do this. He would impose his will on you and I. He would send a couple whose marriage is just so good and so exciting and so vibrant to a point that it provokes jealousy. but then you have to start taking sides. Am I going to continue to live like this? Or am I going to side with the God 
who has restored their marriage, caused the spark to live alive in their marriage, right? And never be dull, but be on the air. You follow what I'm saying? I mean, you see that all the time. It happens with raising children. It happens in successful businessmen and businesswomen. It's like, why is your business so successful? As a, you know, you see another Christian, you sit down with them and you start hearing the biblical principles and the way they're doing things with integrity, it should give you a shock factor. It should cause you to sit up in your seat and say, whoa, wait a minute, I've just known about him. God has now given me the privilege to know him more intimately by someone he has sent to me. And that's what you see here, this transition in Rahab's heart. He now, she goes from, oh yeah, I've heard about this God. Now, wow, I'm now sitting face to face with an Israelite who crossed the Red Sea. And matter of fact, they're about to take our camp. He is God. We have to get to a point that you take the side of the one true living God. And that's why she said he is God. He is the true God. He is the creator. He is the king. He is the judge. He is the savior. That's when she said that. That's what she said. He is the all encompassed one. James 4 verse 4 through 8 says this. You adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? He's simply saying take a side. You want to be different? You got to take the Lord's side. Yes. Therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says to no purpose? This, this verse just does something to my soul. Listen to what it says. He jealously desires the spirit whom he has made to dwell in you. He's saying, you know what? I put my spirit in you and I want to be intimately acquainted with you. Quit playing the harlot. But he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God, but resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First part of resisting the devil is submitting to whom? Come close to God or draw near to God, and he will do what? Come close to you. Got to take a side. Heroes are different because they're convinced the Lord is who he says he is. Lastly, you find in James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26, and for the sake of time, I won't read to you all these verses, but please go back. This should be in your notes. Verse 25, it says, Was Rahab the prostitute not justified by works also when she received the messengers? Right when she received the messengers, she then began to be what? Different. The word justify means rendered righteous or such as he or she ought to be. So right when we receive the messenger, you are as you ought to be. She went from being a person who had faith to becoming faithful. Different. 
This word justify also means, it's a word called evince, E-V-I-N-C-E, which simply means real. Think about that. Rahab's faith became noticeably real with this encounter. How many times do we want our family to know Jesus, people around us, to know the, the God we know? Has to become real. Has to become noticeably real. Have to become who you say you are. And that's why you look at Romans uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and, and, and just, just before, as you turn there, um, just a side note to James chapter 2. Remember, it, it's talking about work out your faith. Working out your faith. So that's what this is talking about, is that Rahab had faith, became faithful, which simply says she started working out her faith. What she was believing, she started what? Living. In that moment, when she received the spies, who were representatives of whom? The Lord God Almighty. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, describes it this way. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Far from it. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Why? So that we would no longer be slaves to sin for the one who has died is free from sin. Really, you know, if you could summarize how do you work out your faith? Faith without works is dead. Just start living for Jesus and stop sinning. You know, a lot of times people get really overtly complicated with that verse. It just simply says live like you should live. If you believe in him, live like you believe. Be different. There'll be times you'll be in a pickle somewhere and you're going to have to choose to still be different. It's going to be quite uncomfortable. It may even be embarrassing. You may lose friends, or I would better say associates because they're really not friends, right, if they leave you. You even lose family members, or there will be a rift between family members, potentially, that eventually he resolves some creative way. But still, we must be different. Heroes are different because they courageously live out their faith. Let me end with this. Why not, um, it is said, a house caught on fire, and a young boy was forced to the rooftop. Uh, the father was on the ground. He escaped 
um, before his son did. And with outstretched arms, he called to his son, jump, jump, I'll catch you. And this, this boy uh, heard his dad saying, jump, jump, I'll catch you. Uh, he was still hesitant because he was afraid to take the leap. Because all he could see was the flames, the smoke, and all the blackness around him. He heard his daddy's voice, but he couldn't see his daddy. The challenge was he was just too afraid to leave the roof. No matter how much his father kept yelling, jump, I'll catch you. Jump, I'll catch you. The boy kept protesting. The father eventually says, jump, I catch you. Daddy can see you. You can't say me but I can see you. You see, the challenge we face when it comes to being different is this. There'll be times you say, do it, be different, or jump. <clears throat> there must be this willingness to block out anything and everything around you to jump. There'll be times that you, uh, as a hero, must separate yourself from your environment and what caused you great fear. Because our challenge is this. To be a hero, you must be able to accomplish this. In the midst of real life, separate yourself from it. In the midst of real noise, not listen to it. But how does a hero accomplish that? They hear the father say, I can still see you. That's all that matters. Jump. There'll be times, folks, that you will be in the midst of it all and you can't see anything. But you know, must know by faith that you hear him and he's there. Jump and be different. Hello, my name is Sarah Vega, and I am the Administrative and Executive Director here at Commitment Church. I hope you've enjoyed today's message by Pastor Cedric Brown. If you didn't know, Pastor Cedric also sends out encouraging videos weekly. We call these the Weekly Wire. We can send these encouraging videos directly to you by subscribing at www.loveallnations.org. Here's an example of the encouragement you'll receive. Everybody, this is Pastor Cedric with another Weekly Wire. Have you ever gone through life wondering where is God? Or as we look at what is going on in our country today, what is going on in our world today, where is God? Is he just sitting back watching this or not watching it at all? Maybe you can apply this to your own personal life. Maybe you're asking the question, where is God? Is he watching what is happening to me? Well, there's a promise in the scripture and it says this, God says to you, me actually, he says, listen, am I not near, okay, but not far off? Can a man hide himself from me and I not see him? So the next time you think we think that God is disengaged or not seeing what is happening, we need to really grab a hold to this promise that God is near and God sees everything that is going on. But then there's something else that we need to consider. 
God says this to us, is that he's not a God that is far off, okay? He says, but draw near to me, meaning God, and I will draw near to you. So I think we can tie all of those promises together like this. The next time I may feel as though that God is not anywhere to be found, I think it could be my responsibility to draw near to him. Draw near to him in prayer. Draw near to him as you study the scriptures. Draw near to him as you seek godly counsel. And what you will find is that you will always find him. He's not far off playing cat and mouse games with us, but he is a God that is truly near to us. So if you know anyone else who may be struggling about where is God, is he near, does he see, tell them, encourage them with this video that God is near, God sees. But there is a responsibility that we have in this relationship with God, and that is to draw near to him and he'll be there waiting for us. We hope you enjoyed the sample of our Weekly Wire. Again, to subscribe to your weekly inspiration, refreshment, and encouragement, please visit www.loveallnations.org. Thank you again for listening to our series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.